Check a diesel. Check a diesel. Welcome into Triple OT alongside Evan Riggs, literally, who we are currently sharing headphones, and Mike Makey, who is blowing some sort of vapor into his screen. I'll let him tell you what that is. I am Scott Chasen. Um, Evan, just starting with you, you're back in Lawrence. What are you here for, and how's it going? Yeah, I mean, I came back uh, to see some family, went to the KUK State game yesterday, and it was only a 10-point loss, so not, uh, not nearly as bad as expected. Yeah, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of progress. Speaking of progress, Mike, you are back after a week. You were a DNP. How, how is it going in Chi-Town? It's going well. Uh, yeah, so apparently I have, like, I thought vertigo was only for, like, like 50-year-olds, but uh, apparently I got that, and, and and I didn't really know what it meant, but uh, I guess it means, like, sometimes you get really dizzy and I couldn't really see anything. So my bad on the late scratch there. Um, it's always bad to tinker the lineup for the fans. They don't like when the stars sit. Um, <laughs> for whoever was really excited, I'm sorry that I Popovich you guys at the end. But uh, yeah, that, real quick, that uh, Jayhawk versus Jayhawk State, as I like to call it, game, uh, that was, uh, you know, a lot of progress only was by 10. Things are really looking up in uh, Lawrence for football. But yeah, it's great to be back. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with health, I'm with energy and ready to go because it's not past my bedtime this time when we're podcasting. Wow. I just want to say, Re, your point about Jayhawk versus Jayhawk State. I joked. I think we should rename uh, Memorial Stadium Bill Snyder Victory Stadium. What do you guys think? Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, I actually have a theory that Bill Snyder's like a like a robot that's operated by like a, a bunch of little like woodland critters. Because well, like I. I was on the field. My my family got like field passes yesterday before the game. And wow, so, we were, so exclusive. We were no, no there were like, there were like a hundred people out there. So and uh, <laughs> Scott wrote and, that story uh, about the student section, right? And there was like what, like one person came to as a student or like as a fan. Literally, we uh, we were by the by where Bill Slender came out, and he like he walks like he's eighty years old. I don't understand why somebody would want to coach that long. <laughs> yeah, dude, especially like an average like. Big 12 team. They're so average to watch, too. It's just six-yard quarterback scramble every single time. But, you know, we're, we're going to get the hang of it next year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Might just be coaching until his son can take over. Isn't his son, like, a special teams coach there? His son better hurry up, then, and go through that development. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Know, okay, I mean, he looks great, but, you know, 80, 80 is old. That's, that's old. He looks great. <laughs> wow. He does look a day over 79. <laughs> well, okay. Well, speaking of things that haven't aged too much, let, let's talk about how the Bulls have pretty much been terrible consistently in our time doing this podcast. I don't think we've ever gotten tired of it. Mike, is that the thing you noticed? We're bringing that back this week, or is are you going in a different direction? For that? I got a few things. I think uh, I'll start with the basketball thing I noticed. Um, so, like, like I was saying, you know, my predictions have uh, been not great. Famously. Yeah, not, not really panning. Well, this year so far. The uh, Hawks and Bulls finishing ninth and 10th, respectively, is something that I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about, <laughs> <laughs> given the 69-point uh, outing against the Thunder yesterday. Um, but, you know, the one thing I am proud of, I was saying that Memphis, you guys were a little hard on Memphis this year, and uh, I've always kind of had the Grizzlies back. I, uh, I, I always love the grit and grind mentality. they got a great core of players. And they're proving everything. The, 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 the Grizz hoodie making a triple OT appearance for about the okay. 50th time. Yeah, well, apparently I'm not allowed to broadcast shirtless, which I will get into later. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just love the kind of agelessness of the Grizz. Everyone's saying, oh, this is the year that the core just doesn't really perform, or this is the year they're going to shop everyone. I, I love that they're kind of like the like the Atlanta Hawks of like 2010 to 2013, where it's just like four or five all the time. So you guys were dis, dis, uh, just giving them no respect. I had their back. They're finally playing pretty well. Five and one, I believe. Only one loss, correct? I think so, but they beat so. they beat the Rockets twice, which actually kind of counteracts my championship pick. But. Well, <laughs> the the thing I've and, and we talked a little bit about this on a previous show. The thing I've noticed about the Grizzlies is that I mean they're not like one of the fastest teams in the league, but they they have as we kind of talked about on a preview show. It's an entirely different identity than they've won with in the past. I mean, yeah. as Mike, you mentioned the Rockets. They seem to be playing well against fast teams. This is a team with the old roster construction that had problems with some of these faster teams at times, and it's kind of remarkable to see what, what they've done this year. Obviously, we need to see if it keeps up, but 
uh, you know, certainly I think Tyreek Evans has been playing out of his mind too. Yeah, even Chandler Parsons uh, last night had like I think 24 points in 18 minutes or 18 points in 24 minutes. One, one of those two, and obviously anything you get out of him, it, you've got to love it. You're p paying the guy a max contract. Yeah, well, it's like they're, they're just a team that's just refusing to adapt to what the NBA is, you know, clearly becoming. And I respect that they can, you know, keep that identity and keep the success going and, and really slow down the game. Like, are they always the most fun games to watch? Absolutely not. But it, it's something that, um, you know, for them to kind of defy the whole three-point line, let's go for a four-point line thing is kind of cool. But also, before the, I get uh, too sidetracked here, the most important thing I noticed is this is adorable to our, our listeners. Um, Evan and Scott are, as you know, together in the Lawrence Journal World thing. And thing. <laughs> and uh, they're sharing headphones, like sixth grade basketball teammates that are like kind of friends checking out like a new Nelly song. So it's <laughs> an absolutely great setup. So just keep in mind that their positioning, they have the split headphones right next to each other. It's great to watch. Well, it's the Nelly thing is a perfect descriptor because when you're talking, I'm actually muting the audio and then just playing YouTube videos in the background. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very fitting. But yeah, that's, that's what I've been noticing. <laughs> Evan, what is the thing you noticed? Yeah, well, I don't know if you guys have... Uh, you know, kept track of many Thunder games this year besides uh, what Mike was subjected to last night. But uh, Mike, were you there? I was there. I was in like the worst seat in the house, and I paid like fifty bucks for it. <laughs> you paid almost as many. You paid, like it was like almost a dollar a point, right? Fifty bucks, yeah, sixty points, pretty close. <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. And I didn't even win like any jumbotron races. It was just a bloodbath. <laughs> Who did Biggie Bagel win? No, but I, before that, I was two for two. Um, at the Spurs game, I had cuppy coffee, and there's a Dunkin' Donuts right by my work. And then Dashing Donut came back in like an overtime thriller last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, the, the, stadium gets. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I noticed is, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook uh, this year, he's shooting like you know, far and away a career low from the free throw line, uh, like sixty-one point five percent, which is like you know he's like a career like eighty-two percent free throw shooter, like. 78% the lat was like his lowest in, in his like nine year career. And you know, I thought it was interesting. He usually you ask him a question like that and he'll just completely ignore you, make you feel stupid, whatever. But you know, they actually asked him about it, uh, Oklahoma State beat writers earlier this week, and he gave a pretty pretty interesting answer. He said that, you know, after free throws this year, you're not allowed to walk up above the, the three point arc, which I didn't know was uh, was a rule this year. And you know, Russell Westbrook has got has like the most, you know, creature of habit guy ever and like he said that you know like that's part of it like I, like I can't get used to not being able to walk up above the three-point line like between free throws so he's like literally going up and clanking his first free throw every time because he's distracted the fact that he can't walk up I would just like to say I'm equally distracted that Evan keeps playing with his phone on the table which I'm <laughs> sure our microphone is going to pick up over and over I've like glared over at him like several times what are you playing Evan no like I'm literally just like spinning it oh gotcha get this guy a fidget spin. those are great did your company make one? Yes, they do, actually. We do have Coyote Logistics fidget spinners. I have about four in my desk. Can you send them? We need we need these fidget spinners. You, you guys need some Coyote swag? Yeah. I don't have a – I never bought a fidget spinner. I went I went into the Cubs clubhouse one day this summer, and, like, all the players have them, and I was like, no, these are the players. Don't want any. <laughs> yeah, no, we, no, Coyote Logistics is kind of like the uh, space balls where it's like – I also have, like, a Coyote Logistics, the pizza cutter in my – in, in my maybe maybe Rusty is a fidget spinner while he's shooting free throws, so, so, so he's not so distracted uh, thinking yeah, about right. the fact that he can't walk backwards three feet. Get his mind right. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> good. All right, uh, thing I noticed, and then we'll actually get into some real topics on this show. Um, guys, I think Earl Watson might have been the worst coach in NBA history. Mm -hmm. um, the Suns opened their season, we talked about this, with like a 48-point loss, the worst in franchise history. Then they gave up 132 points to the Lakers, and then they lost by 42 points to the Clippers. They fired Earl Watson, and everyone freaked out, and then they beat the Kings, they destroyed the Jazz, and they played Portland really close until the end. Terry Stotts said the Suns look like an entirely different team. Portland was the team that beat Phoenix by 48 on opening night. I just wanted to share a story about Marquise Chris and uh, Earl Watson that Mike, I, Evan, I don't know if you've heard this one, but Mike, I, I'm guessing you haven't and that you will get a good laugh out of this. I love story time. Um, so Marquise Chris did, wasn't the starter to start the year. They started games going small with Josh Jackson at the four, which I like the idea, but come on, Josh Jackson's not ready to guard NBA fours. It was a mistake. And so Earl Watson took Marquise Chris out to dinner 
to, um, you know, when he decided he wasn't going to be a starter and said, I love you. And that's how he managed it. <laughs> Chris is like, what's oh. happening here, coach? <laughs> I love you. Oh. Are we all good now? Best. Earl Watson, man. Jay Triano has come in and, like, Marquise Chris said, according to Kevin Zimmerman, um, a- after the first game, he's like, I don't want to be a bad defender. No one was telling me I was a bad defender. It's like, dude, you were the worst rookie defender in the NBA last year. Yeah, see, I thought that's what you were going with. Stroy took a very weird turn for me. No, it's just like, it's amazing how bad Earl Watson was at actually being a coach. He was just like a shitty motivational speaker that, like, randomly got hired for his job. And, and like... I mean, the Suns are trying defensively. I know I mentioned every show, but, like, Devin Booker was the worst defender, like, for two years. He was, like, a horrific, terrible defender. And the last three games, he's been really, like, not average, not like he's trying, but he sucks. He's been good on that end. And it's, like, kind of insane. Eric Bledsoe, we'll talk about Lonzo Ball in a little bit, gets lit up by Lonzo Ball, looks like he's not even trying. Now he's obviously not with the team. That that kind of culture has changed. It's kind of remarkable. The Suns won two games in a row, played Portland close. They get Brooklyn next, so they might even win that game um, yeah, Tuesday, really, I guess. It's really all on Earl Watson. And I, I know, like, I love you thing, by the way, hilarious story. But um, the Suns were having, you know, chemistry issues before Watson, too. It could be like a GM thing or something, because I remember Marquise Morris tweeted something about, like, agreeing with Bledsoe. It was like, oh, and you all thought it was on me or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that, that part's not on Earl Watson, though. I, I agree. I just think Earl Watson might actually be the worst coach of all time. Well, we talked about and then three days into, into you know, coaching is a little – I don't know. I think they might have ripped the bandit off a little early. but No, I mean, no. With with Earl Watson? Yeah. No, yeah. we talked about this last year. I couldn't disagree with you more. I mean, he should have never got the job. He was an interim coach that had a horrible record they kept because the players loved him. As we talked about last week, you know, a Western Conference scout said it was kind of a joke. He had the easiest offense in the NBA to scout. I mean, it was overly simplistic. He had no clue how to manage lineups, personalities, anything. I mean, he was just a terrible, terrible, terrible NBA coach. And you see it with the effort. I mean, he never had the locker room, so you can't really lose it if you never had it. But uh, you just see the effort, the way the guys play. I mean, he shouldn't have been brought back for the season, period. He didn't deserve a second full year. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of like Mike alluded to. It is tough when you have the you know the GM alienating guys like he is. I mean, you have you have, you have McDonough going on the radio this week and yeah. you know, blasting Bledsoe, blasting his agent. So LeBron James is never going to the Phoenix Suns, by the way. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> it was so promising yeah. before then. <laughs> And uh, I mean, they and he just really has no no leg to stand on, no no moral high ground. Because I mean, you, you shut the guy down last year after he was having a, a career year. So I mean, obviously, you know what what's he gonna think? And then you you, you want to you know Bledsoe goes into the front office says you know I want to be traded before the season. They don't get it done. I mean, you kind of expect this to happen. So that that makes things a little tougher on, on Watson. Yeah, the the Bledsoe thing's a little interesting because apparently it came out that he was trying to get an extension to stay in Phoenix, but then when they weren't willing to like give him a max extension, he was like, "Okay, then trade me," which I I kind of get. Obviously, if you're not going to get the max money, but for oh, that, he, know, he knows that he's not in their future plans whatsoever. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, he's, yeah. I, so I think that part of it is a little bit like I understand McDonough's frustration. That being said, you're right. I mean, he's trashed him in the media. He told, says he's lying about the hair salon thing. He's driven down his trade value pretty dramatically, although apparently there are a ton of suitors from different teams, and the Suns are pretty much content to just sit and take their time for an actual offer since he has two years left on his deal, and he's not with the team right now, so there's no like no residual effect on them. He's been sent home. He's not going to play with them anymore. Uh, Mike, Mike, you alluded to it. I did want to mention, because the Suns, you're right, have had, I mean, you think about the Morris twins. The Suns tweeted, traded away Marcus Morris when they were pursuing LaMarcus Aldridge, and that obviously upset Markeith because the twins took a discount to be able to stay together. And they were, like, using a joint bank account. <laughs> and a joint house. Okay, that's a little weird, though, on the Morris twins, right? That's a little bit <laughs> Um and, and then also there was a three-point guard thing. Ryan McDonough is... I mean, just talking to people in the league, you talk to Woj, smart GM. That being said, he can't manage personalities. I mean, he was the guy who brought in Dragic, Bledsoe, and Isaiah Thomas, which on the court it worked. Their net rating, their lineup rating was great. But what happens when you have three point guards playing together? They all want the ball, they all want to start, and they all can't do those three things. So I I think he's shown himself to be a competent decision maker, and these are his players who are coming out and playing close with a decent coach. 
the problem is he just has no clue how to manage people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I get it, Scott. You know, Gar Foreman and John Paxson. You know, <laughs> I was thinking about that as I was saying it. I was like, speaking of, yeah, Bobby Portis punched Nikolai Miritich in the face allegedly. Yeah, no, I, I, I get bad management, but um, I, 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 I go back to the Earl Watson thing. Everything you said really does make sense. It's just, it's always tough to see the coach, you know, get a get a three three game into the season firing. So, I mean, it, it makes sense though. I, I, I can concede. All right, I think it's a good point to get into some of the topics of the show. I think a big topic on this show that we want to talk about is Markel Fultz. So I think yeah. I think Markel Fultz is a great place to start. Let's talk about the process and if it's as broken as Mark, Mark, excuse me, Markel Fultz's form. Markel Fultz, team announced today, is going to be reevaluated in three weeks. He's going to be out for that time. Um, he doesn't have any structural damage reportedly, but a shoulder injury. Um, it's soreness and I believe scalp, scapular muscle imbalance, which has caused all sorts of problems. Uh, Mike Schmitz of ESPN talked about how it was affecting his confidence. It was making him overthink things on the court. Obviously, we saw that he changed his form. There was like a disagreement between him and the team. But essentially, it appears that like once he was injured, he tried to change his form to play through it. And that was obviously a disaster. Uh, on the season, shooting 33% from the field, 50% from the line. Again, I don't think those numbers mean anything because he's playing through you know, a shoulder injury and can't raise his hands above his head. Mm -hmm. um, Didn't attempt a single three-pointer. Yeah, so what, what, do you guys, what are your guys' thoughts on the whole Markel Fultz thing? Because it's kind of a weird scenario going on in Philly right now. Yeah, well, with, with injuries, a lot of the times I kind of try to look at how will it affect you mentally, like even when you're healthy. And this is one of those injuries where, unfortunately, I think – that it's going to linger with you throughout the actual duration of the physical injury. Cause I mean, you, you mentioned it, he can't raise his hands above his head. Like some of those free throws that he shot, I'm, I'm just watching like, wow, like where is, where is this coming from? Well, I guess we, we now know that it's, you know, the, sh the shoulder, what was it, the muscular like in, in, imbalance or something like that? Or oh, what's the, it's like what's a sca scapular muscle imbalance. Yeah. I don't so know that, what I mean, that means, but that's what the right. system you're calling it. I mean, the ambiguity around it is kind of just concerning as well. And I, I picked Fultz to finish Rookie of the Year, which I think his teammate Ben Simmons will probably get, but, you know, here or there. Um, and so it's, it's disappointing whenever, you know, all the potential is affected by a really early, really kind of freaky injury. I think he'll be able to come back. I just worry about his, you know, mental state and if he'll, if he'll linger in his head, like the small things that he didn't used to think about while shooting the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, why, if he can't even raise his arms why? above his head, why, why are you putting the guy out there? Like, what is, I mean, like you said, that's going to mess with you mentally on your jump shot. Like, the one thing you don't change is your jump shot. Like, that's like the first thing they teach you in basketball is you shoot it, you shoot it the same every single time. You know, even if it's not the perfect form, you, you stick with your form. And to literally have a guy, like, remake his form two months before the season, it's just – it's just weird. And why Why is it that Philadelphia can't ever be like, transparent with any of these injuries? You have yeah. the, all the weirdness surrounding you know, all three of these guys in, in the process now. I mean, you have Embiid, who you know, had all that weird stuff. You have Ben Simmons, who like, missed the whole year with like, a you know, couple-month injury, which we, we don't really know the whole story there. And then you have Fultz, where you have Colangelo coming out and saying that his shooting form caused it. And then you have, you know, Fultz's agent saying, no, 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 actually the shooting form is a result of this injury, which, you know, if, if you're Colangelo, why, why are you trying to alienate the number one pick in the draft a week into the season? It's just none of it. It's just all a very weird situation. Yeah, the whole thing's kind of just funny because the Sixers were a team that was so willing to shut down guys. I mean, they obviously shut down and B. They're being extremely cautious with him. I mean, you mentioned the Simmons thing, kind of shady, but he misses the whole year. And his agent was basically saying that from day one. I think, isn't his agent Rich Paul, Sims LeBron? Yeah, I believe so. So they're so cautious with these guys. And then Fultz, they're just like content to let him play. Is it maybe because they have a chance at the playoffs because they have a roster that has, you know, guys like JJ Redick and Rocco and, maybe arguably with Amir Johnson and all that has, has enough talent. To I mean, you kind of wonder if like maybe his agent was making a push for him to play and then maybe his agent finally pulled the plug and was like, yeah, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, they're, they're making fun of my guy on every social media platform because his shot looks awful. <laughs> That's the Shaq thing probably didn't help him. I mean, I mean, we all saw what he looked like shooting free throws and I mean, it wasn't like Lonzo Ball just got for him, but it looked freaking <laughs> weird. Yeah, I mean, it, it. like I said, it's just such a weird situation. 
I mean, the Sixers just can't catch a break with this rebuild. It's, it's hard enough to rebuild. It's harder, you know, when you're the main pieces are getting hurt all the time. Like this is now Fultz, Simmons, and Embiid. And these aren't like twisted ankles. These are like pretty significant injuries, especially with Embiid. It's the only thing that's really surrounding him. I mean, despite also the, you know, comparisons to Olajuwon and all that. And, but it's, it's, it's something that's a little bit concerning because I want to watch this rebuild. Like just because I, I go on the air for a preview and say that I don't like the contract only because I don't think he'll warrant or that the amount of games he'll play will warrant it, that doesn't mean I want to see this happen because I, I, I want to see the, the rebuild happen. I want to see, you know, it come together like this. And it's, I, I feel for the Sixers organization and, you know, fans for, you know, every year you have so much hope and every year this, it's the same old story. So let's uh, on that note. I want we've talked a little bit about Ben Simmons. Let's tie him into this conversation. Obviously, misses his rookie year, um, but his, his true or I guess now redshirt rookie year, whatever you would call it, I guess in the NBA, has been pretty remarkable. I mean, this is a guy who already had a triple double. He's averaging about 18, 10, and eight. He's getting a ton of assists. Two point seven assists to turnover uh, is um, incredible for a six ten rookie point guard. I mean, think of where a guy like Giannis was his rookie year. Think of where a guy like I mean, even like a Josh Jackson type is. No, no one's putting up these types of numbers as this giant rookie point guard hybrid thing. Um, and and Bede said he didn't look like a rookie. Rick Carlisle, coach of the Mavs, said he's better than expected. Mike, have you been anything other than just absolutely blown away by how good Ben Simmons has looked this year? I, I think I'm I'm mostly wrong because just and I got to stop judging one and dones too much in college because you could imagine how good LSU would be if Ben Simmons played like he really cared all the time. <laughs> Watching Simmons is ridiculously fun. I mean, you mentioned it. The guy, well, he wasn't you know running point at all in in uh, you know Baton Rouge, but he he is just so like effortlessly adjusted to it. His vision is seriously that of like a ten year veteran already. He has absolutely like fantastic court vision. He's really composed. I know the Sixers overall, um, and we're probably going to get to this, but haven't really found a way to close out these games, especially against good teams with uh, you know older players. But just Simmons almost average or seven point five assists, um, and what I saw his points is up to like seventeen and a half. That's crazy because and and he has so much pressure on him now, especially with Fultz. And it seems like he's going to be able to, you know, take on that pressure and just keep pulling people away. He's absolutely the favorite for rookie of the year right now. The guy is crazy. Yeah, you know, kind of like you said, just his feel for the game has just been the number one thing. That's just crazy. I mean, so, and some of the passes he's making, like the the pass, I don't know if you guys saw it last night against the Mavericks, like the wraparound bounce pass, like behind the Mavericks defender that went from the block, like clear out to the baseline to Embiid for the three-pointer. He's just He's just smooth. Like there's really not a whole lot else to say. Like he he's smooth. He makes everything look so effortless. And the man can't yeah, even make smart. a jump. He can't even make a jump shot from more than ten feet out yet. Just just wait until he's like league average or you know a slightly below league average. Yeah, I, I, the pass that comes to mind for me is the one. It's kind of like when he has the ball and like the wing on, on either the left or right side, and he's able to float it basically cross-court to the corner on the other side. Yeah, that's like a pass that like only LeBron James can make. Yeah, it, it's a pa- exactly. It's a pass that. At that pass, he's probably top three in the NBA already. And like Lonzo Ball has passes like that, like his Lonzo Ball's outlet pass. And we'll talk about Lonzo in a little bit, but that's one thing he does unique. Ben Simmons, I, I talked about this before the season, just has this unique feel. He doesn't seem like a rookie at all. He doesn't seem like a second year player at all. He seems like an all star. He seems like a guy who's a perennial best player of the league. That's the type of swagger he carries himself with. I've been, uh, no, I've been I've been pretty blown away with him. The the third part of the process, as we've alluded to as well, is Joel Embiid, and Embiid hasn't been great this year. Obviously, he's he's kind of figuring it out. He's averaging 20, 10, three assists and a block. So very <laughs> good crazy. numbers. That's crazy to say. Guy hasn't been great, but he's averaging twenty and ten. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> he's figuring it out. He's he's still getting into a rhythm. But I mean, when he plays, he's he's only missed one game. He's and that they held him out of that, so it wasn't an injury thing. He hurt his hand, but he's going to be fine. Um, he's playing at like a 70-game pace right now. I, I anticipate he'll play less games than that, but we'll certainly see. Uh, he's fouling a ton, but, I mean, honestly, when he's in the game, he's playing a lot. People were concerned about his minutes. He ranks 14th in the NBA in minutes per game for, for a set of guys like Yusuf Nurkic, Brooke Lopez, Tristan Thompson, Clint Capella. So he's playing minutes when he's in there consistently, 28, 29 minutes, unless he's in foul trouble early. So that's not an issue. Uh, he can do anything you would ever want on a basketball court. His usage rate is a little high, but, you know, that's what they want out of him. And the Sixers, 
I mean, the Sixers have been blown out in one game this year against Toronto. That was the only game they've played without Embiid. Every other game, they've either won or they had the, the close loss to Washington in their first game. They lost by 10 to Boston, and then they lost to Houston on a game winner. So these have all been playoff teams that they're losing to, probably top four seeds in both conferences, and all three games down to the wire, pretty close. Yeah, no, I, 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 I've always been very impressed with uh, Embiid, and I actually think that he could start averaging a triple-double with the um, points, rebounds, and glasses of Shirley Temples per game. But uh, I'm really excited to watch him play too, but because just he moves so well, and I've been wrong too. He he hasn't been you know slowed down by the injuries of the past. It looks like, which is great to watch. Um, he's huge for this team. Him and Simmons, I, I mean, we're gonna get into it, but it are so important to this team. And but when you look at it, there's six players that are averaging double figures. One of those is actually Jared Bayless too, who who's had some weird resurgence and is actually playing well. Um, Robert Covington's been great, but yes, I mean, Embiid is the star right now, 20.6 points a game, uh, 10.2 rebounds a game. Because he's averaging the double-double already. Every time he's on the court, he, it looks like he's just figured out everything. He's a really smart basketball player. He's, he's great to watch and just keep that foot healthy and keep the minutes down. Please keep the minutes down. Yeah, and, you know, the thing that, that you like to see most with Embiid, you know, a lot last year, uh, especially early on, like his usage rate was like absolutely crazy. Like every time he got the ball, he was shooting and he's still shooting a lot. Like he hasn't taken fewer than 13 shots. He's taken, you know, 15, 16, 15, 13, 19. But what you like is three, three, zero, three, four. That's assists. And, you know, when he's playing on, you know, a this, team. Was the zero the game he missed? Or game no, no, no. He, against the Pistons, yeah, no. Oh, no. Well, the Pistons defense, yeah, know, yeah, very he, hard to penetrate. They bring, yeah, yeah. He, had, he had 30 and 9 on Drummond and talked yeah. talk some pretty <laughs> some, some pretty big time smack on Drummond after that game. But no, and, you know, last year he was great, but you, you always kind of thought, you know, if he's going to be playing on a winning team, which we all assume, you know, if, he does, if these guys are healthy, he will be at one point. He, he can't shoot the ball every time he gets it because he's going to have actual competent guys out there. And he, you know, he's playing. Playing smarter basketball, like kind of what we saw here at Kansas, he's he's showing the ability to adapt and, and just you know be one step ahead every time. Can I can I have a hot take here and uh, I'll see what you guys have to say about this? But when Joel Embiid is healthy, if he's going to play sixty games, that's the number I'll put out sixty. So not a crazy number, just sixty games. That's you know, and Markel Fultz gets healthy by the end of this year. This team will be the. Th I'm not saying they'll be the three seed. I'm saying they will be the third best team in the Eastern Conference. What? Based off how well they're playing at the end wow. of this season. So that's like so like up in the air though. How do we how do we know that? Like yeah. how do we know that? I think that's I think that's a fair like a, a fair prediction. It's a fairly bold thing to say that if Marco Fultz if, if those guys come together, that they'll be better than Toronto. They'll be playing better basketball than Milwaukee. They'll be playing better basketball than Boston. And it's really only going to be Cleveland and, and uh, Washington. Uh, Washington who are playing better basketball than they are at the end of the year. Okay, so so here here's how we hold his feet to the fire on this, Mike. We say it, if the Sixers get anything above a seven seed, you expect them to win that, that first-round playoff series? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm into that. I would be – if, like I said, if Fultz is back and Embiid is, is healthy, so those are my two. Right. If, if they're just healthy, not even if they're back. If Fultz and Embiid are both healthy and they're not the seven or the eight seed, I will absolutely pick them to win a first-round playoff. Okay. That's, the, that's how – that's a good – you. That's that a good way to put it out. <laughs> you guys, we're really getting good at this. <laughs> yeah, just, it just took 65 episodes. By the way – Apologies, we were supposed to have a guest today, Ben, but uh, this is his day off, so he is spending it with his family. I'm not yeah. sure what that. <laughs> no, that's that sounds that sounds lovely. Um, <laughs> I, I respect the hot take always. I mean, I'm just so full of them that they're just getting lukewarm at this point. But um, I I don't know, man. I mean, I was gonna say actually, Milwaukee's looking really good. Um, Boston, I'm really not sure about because I think just just so much on how Jalen Brown and and, and uh, Tatum play every night is kind of you know determine if you know their wins and losses. But um, I, I respect it. I, I think that the, if they're healthy is a huge thing, as you know, is the theme with the Sixers. But I, I, I could see it. I, I think it's going to be tough. You know, I, I'm a big fan of like paying your dues throughout the playoffs. So you get there first, you lose a close series, you win it next year. So I mean, it, it would be impressive for them to. I think it'd be impressive if they make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to, but if they do and and win a first round series, that that'd be so important. They're not. They have no title ambitions, but getting that experience for these guys would be huge. 
I will say this. I think they make the playoffs as long as they can hold off the major Joel Embiid injury till after Markel Fultz is back. So if Embiid goes down, I don't think they're making the playoffs unless Fultz is already back, at which point I still think they make the playoffs, if that makes sense. Yeah, and yeah, it, John Lilo, it, sorry, I'm going to go ahead. I, I was going to say, it's just hard to know because we really – it's so hard to get that image of, of Fultz, what he is right now, out of our heads, I think. Well, at least for me, out of my head. That it's just, you know, I, I just want to see Markel Fultz play up, play up the basketball court and raise his arms above his head before before I make any big proclamations well, on him. My whole thing in saying that is that if Embiid is out, I think they do actually have, like, the bigs between a, a guy like Sarek, a, a guy like Amir Johnson, and whatever Roller they end up trading to Loka 4-4, which we'll talk in a second. I, I think they'll have enough bigs that if, Simmons is running your point and Fultz is contributing and is the number one overall pick and he's healthy. I think that's enough in the East to get an eight seed. Now, if Fultz is still injured and then beats out, we saw what they were. They're a horrible team that got killed by the Toronto Raptors. So um, I, I think that's kind of the distinction I'm drawing there. Yeah. I, I mean, I was just going to talk real quick about Oga for that. I mean, he's so young and every, it seems like everyone's just totally punted on him already, but I mean, he always has those flashes of, you know, impressive play. So I'm, I still think Oga for his game and could yeah. be, could be the guy to, you know, step in during an Embiid absence. I, I don't think they're punning on him. Well, well, they are. I think the Sixers are. I agree with you on that. I think a big problem with him is, like, his style of play doesn't really fit how the Sixers want to play. I mean, Ben Simmons wants to get up and down the floor, and Mark Elfold's yeah, the same, and Embiid the same. And he's very much a half-court. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're going to use Okafor correctly, you've got to, you know, play like a second unit through him in the post, which you're not going to do with one of – Embiid, Fultz, Simmons on the court. Like yeah, just times. so many open court playmakers and guys like that. I I just feel like it's a bad fit for him. Do you, you guys want to get into trades for Okafor now? Because we planned about talking about that. Yeah, go for it. All right, so let, let's then come up with some teams. One that jumped off the page, Marcus Smart. Uh, Ainge, Danny Ainge reportedly was going to move up and draft him in his draft year with a, a Marcus Smart trade package, but instead drafted, guess who? Mm, 2014. Mm. Who the Celtics? The only thing I remember about 2014 Celtics is that they uh, turned, they tried to trade a million picks for Justice Winslow. And they didn't make that trade for a similar reason. Yeah, man, 2014 is a long time away. <laughs> I, it's it's a classic Danny Ainge player. It's the guy, the reason why Danny Ainge didn't pull Oh, it. oh, is it a Linux? No, come on. Oh, it's uh he's got it. The backup point guard. Yeah, what is his name? He's got it. What is his the name? The untradeable. What is his name? Oh my god. Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier. Yeah, yeah. Louisville. Mr. Untradeable himself, taking like fifteen spots ahead of every single projection. Yeah. Well, when Danny Age identifies like Yarbish, whatever, Ger Gershon Yarbasul or whatever that guy's name was. The European Draymond Green. <laughs> he's turned out great. Where does he still play in the Celtics? I don't even know if he has played for the Celtics yet. There we go. So that's obviously turned out to be a great pick. Celtics are one, though. They could trade Marcus Smart. You have to get back like a TJ McConnell in it. And I could see them making it because they don't want to pay Marcus Smart. Maybe if they think they can get another free agent. I don't know what their cap situation would be like if they let Marcus Smart just walk. Um, the Celtics are one. The Bulls are another. Apparently, they offered Miritich for – um, Jalil Okafor previously, but the yeah. Sixers have wanted more than Miritich, uh, so the Bulls, that trade didn't end up happening. Mike, your thoughts on a Bulls or Celtics trade? Any of that makes sense? No, I think it, I think it makes sense. I actually was a proponent of getting Okafor. I mean, obviously, I think that's we can all agree that that would be a, a good trade for Chicago, just comparing the players like just straight away, like Okafor for Miritich. Miritich just isn't going to be what everyone thought initially that he's going to be, and I think that I could still see Okafor coming to Chicago, actually. He has those Chicago roots. Everyone in this city is so goddamn into that, which he has just ruined the contracts. But um, I, I, I could still see that happening if they m maybe move, like, like Portis and, like, a second-round pick and give him, like, cash or something. I don't know. Uh, but, do you think uh, it would be Portis, or do you think they would want Meritage? Well, well, I'm trying to figure out who <laughs> the Sixers would rather have, but it's not, like, a great choice between either. Um, probably Meritage just to help with the shooting. So Miritich in a second-round pick or something like that? I, I, I guess it would just depend on if they want to tie up uh, their cap space. with Because uh, Miritich has got the extension, right? I know it's not like a crazy contract or anything. It's not. It's not. I don't know the exact number, but it, it doesn't, like, you know, jump off the page. It's, like, something ridiculous. 
Uh, again, I think the Sixers would be willing to do that, or the, the Bulls would, but I think the Sixers would want more than that if that's what they originally wanted more than that when that trade was produced. So I'm not sure with what all the Bulls would be comfortable asking that then they you know, The Bulls just don't have much to give, honestly. Mm -hmm. They have they have like almost nothing to give because the, the, the only assets are absolutely need to stay in Chicago. So, I mean, knowing Gar Foreman, they'll probably trade Glory for um, for straight up. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> another one. I mean, the Suns are looking to move Bledsoe. There's no way they make that trade because they already have Dragon Bender, Marquise Chris, Tyson Chandler, Jared. They have so much money and future tied up in their big men positions. It would stun me if the Suns made a trade for Okafor unless they packaged like Marquise Chris with Brandon Knight's contract, and that was how they moved it. But um, the Spurs was one that I thought the Spurs aren't a super fast team. They obviously have LaMarcus Aldridge, but, I mean, Pop let him get the most out of Okafor. That that would be kind of fascinating. The other one I wrote down was – I, I would just like to watch uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, Julio Okafor foot race down the court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'd be slow. But, I mean, I, that's, I was thinking about the Spurs too, Scott, only because that front court – like, Pau Gasol does not have many years left. I, I, he's playing decently. He does, actually, like three more on contract. <laughs> I will. I mean, of like decent plays, so that contract's a little bit, a little bit crazy. But I can totally see that happening because they don't have one of those. They lost uh, Deadman, I know, so they can. They need a. They need more rebounding. They need more inside physicality. So I, I could see that. And then one other one I wrote down was the Nuggets, just because I mean they can trade Fareed, who they don't want. They can't really trade Moutier because if they're going to trade him, they need to get back a point guard. Um, but if they, I mean, Fareed is a name we constantly hear mentioned in trade rumors. Any. Any thought on it would just be the most like nothing trade of all time. Like <laughs> it would be super average, I think, for both teams. Yeah, I don't I don't see Okafor really being a fit for uh for, for Denver. I mean you can you can literally never play he and he and Jokic at the same time. Yeah, yeah and Well you could, but be, it would go very good. Yeah, I was gonna say it'd also be kinda of weird with, with Millsap just because I feel like Again, if you're going to have Okafor, you're going to get like the most out of him. He really does need the ball in this kind of slow, methodical offense that kind of gets him in the right situations mm -hmm. to, to thrive, and I'm not sure they could even do that with Millsap and him. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if we're just talking about like a situation, like Bulls are, you know, of the couple we've talked about, Bulls are probably the best one just because, I mean, there's offense. Bulls will take any offense they can get. Spurs, I think, are another one that would fit well, given how slow they are. Bulls and Spurs. Yeah. It, it might drive it might drive Pop a little crazy to have two guys two guys in the post that hold the ball that long, but I mean that that could obviously work too. Who knows? And it could be a good learning experience. All right, last last thing on the Sixers before we we move on with this conversation. Let's rank the process. There are three guys right there, Mike. I know you disagree with the two of us on on certain aspects of them. So let's start it like this: You have to give out a max contract. Um, in what order are you willing to max those guys? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bat lead off here. Um, I'm big on Simmons right now. I wasn't so crazy about him right or before the season started, but it's been a small sample size for sure. But I'm huge on Simmons. Simmons, to me, is the most important piece in Philadelphia right now. I, I, would, give, I would rank him number one. Uh, I mean, I think, I think I'd probably still keep Embiid number one just because that the potential he has, to me, is still higher than Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, ben Simmons is great. But I mean, you know, it's not like the it, it's not like his injury risk is the same, but it's it still is there. I mean, with the with the broken foot, the injury risk still is definitely there for me. But I mean, he's definitely clear number two. Obviously, we haven't seen anything anything at all from Markel Fultz. I'm sure Embiid's your number two, Mike. Yeah, yeah, Embiid's absolutely number two. But that's just it's a shame though because we were all I think we were all pretty big on Fultz. I was pretty big on Fultz. Um, and it, it, I don't know if he would be too. If it just you, you really said it right, because those those images are in my head now. The the terrible free throws, the they're just looking uncomfortable on the court, and now we know why he was looking uncomfortable because he was quite literally uncomfortable. Physically. Yeah, it's like it's like a more uncomfortable like Kevin Martin jump shot, which is like hard to make more uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, Embiid would by defect or, or by default be my uh, be my number two, and I, it sounds like I'm you know kind of you know. Down on Embiid. I, I love when he's on the court. I just those contracts, the money. I've seen what injuries can do to big men. I I'm still a little nervous. Yeah, I mean just just to me, the the again, the potential is just so so high, so much with Embiid that he'd be he'd be number one for me. But you know, Scott, feel free to disagree, agree. 
you know, it was it was tough because I love Ben Simmons, and obviously I would want to put him number one. You guys know how high I am on him, and the injury risk too with Embiid is kind of crazy. But I, I think I would feel I'll say this: I would feel more comfortable dishing out a max contract to Ben Simmons because I expect he's going to play more, and I expect he's going to be that good. That Thank being you, said, God agrees with me, baby. <laughs> that being said, we we're going to do this another way too, and I'm going to have a different list. So that would be my number one. Number two, Joel Embiid. Three, Markel Fultz, but I believe in Markel Fultz. I, I really do. I think this was the clear-cut number one option in the draft. There was never anyone else realistically considered, no matter how many people want to tell you, well, if the Lakers got the first pick. And Look, no matter how me. many times Bill Simmons wants to say that, that he's not good anymore. I, it's just like people do this. Josh Jackson did this too because I'm sure this is what the Suns told him. He said if the Kings had the first pick, they would have taken De'Aaron Fox, and if the Lakers had the first pick, they would have taken Lonzo. No. Every single team would have taken Markel Fultz or they would have traded to a team that would have taken Markel Fultz. He was the best option in the draft. There was no 1A, 1B. It was Markel Fultz 1, Lonzo Ball 2, Josh Jackson 3. Danny Ainge doesn't know what he's doing. I won't apologize for him taking Jason Tatum 3rd. But those were your top three prospects. There was never any nonsense to suggest that De'Aaron Fox in any simulation with any team picking number one would ever have gone number one in this draft. Agreed. Totally agree. Uh, so my third is obviously then Markel Fultz. Who were your top three again, Mike, just so we all have them? I had Simmons, uh, Embiid, and then Fultz. So you're more comfortable giving Embiid a max deal than Fultz. That says a lot to what you think about Fultz. It's just, I mean, when, when they're both so up in the air with injuries, I got to go with who I've seen more of. And I mean, Embiid is is the talent unlike anything I've seen. So I'll give I gotta give Embiid the thing over Fultz. Yeah, I mean I guess just just for me, you know, again I had Embiid one, Simmons two, you know, Markel Fultz three. And to me, I'm if I'm running the franchise, I'm I'm going for the home run, home run Joel Embiid. All right, so then on that note, let's let's rank this I guess one other way. Um, where would you rank them, and how much you'd be willing to trade? to get these guys in your team? Because I think this is different than signing. Let's put it this way. You're trading for each of these guys. They have two years left on their deal. You're not tying up $5 million. You're not dealing with an injury risk. They got two years left on their deal. What's what's the order? Because for me, it's Embiid number one with a bullet, Simmons number two, and then Markel Fultz is a different third, distant third. Yeah, no, when you put it like that, that, that actually does change things quite a bit. If, if my you know risk is lower, I... I I, I would take Embiid first. I'd say I, I, I agree with you, Scott. I'd say Embiid, uh, Simmons, and then Fultz. But it's Embiid, Simmons, and then yeah, Fultz well, way down below. And that's not Fultz's fault. It's just the, the circumstance of you know where he's at right now and what we've seen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think if I can't say I'm going to take Embiid number one for a max contract and not say I'm going to take him number one, you know, as a guy I want to trade for in that scenario. And again, like you said, not Markel Fultz's fault, but He's a pretty distant third here with Simmons number two, just because we just haven't seen anything. Like We just don't know. Last question on the Sixers, and then we'll real quick do Bledsoe trade stuff, and then we'll get into the Lakers too. Best player in 10 years. Hmm. 10 years. Best player in, in 10 years on, on the Sixers. Who's playing the best basketball in 10 years of those three guys? <laughs> Dario. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I'm going to say. What, he'll be like 33 then. That's a good, that's a fine pick. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to flip flop. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to stay with Simmons. I, I've been big on him. I, I think that he has the assets of a, or that he has the skill set of a player to you know thrive for a long time. Uh, he, he plays a kind of game where I don't think it's you know as physically taxing as you know a guy like banging in the post all the time. And it's also just like naturally like or na it's unnatural I think for you know seven footers to just move that quickly. And I think that your body can catch up to you when that's happening. So I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say Simmons still. Gosh, that's so tough because, I mean, you, there's all kinds of different factors here. Like, like I think both, you know, Simmons and Embiid, if healthy, their games probably age better than, than Markel Fultz. You know, Fultz needs athleticism more, and he's probably going to be on the back end of his close, to, probably right in the middle of his he'll prime. Be he'll be 29. He'll be 29 going on 30. Oh, God. I don't know, but but then – It'll be, it'll be 29 just going on 29 for the record. He just turned 19. Oh, just turned 19. He's that young. Yeah, wow. he's super young. That's kind of why I asked the question because Simmons is 21. So, I mean, and, Simmons and will And Embiid's like 23, right? Yeah. 
I hate when these athletes are younger than me. Oh. <laughs> Mike put both his hands in his head. I was wondering what that was about. I hate I hate that now we're at the age where these guys are just I'm like getting really angry over a twenty year old Finnish dude missing a layup. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. What you go first, Scott. I'm I'm agonizing over this. I'm, I'll take twenty year twenty nine year old Markel Fultz. Nobody tweeted me when that doesn't happen because I'm sure I'll backed off that prediction by then. But uh yeah, Joel Embiid will be thirty three when not thirty four. I don't think it'll be him. Ben Simmons is an interesting call, but I, I really do like Markel Fultz. And like I said, I believe in Markel Fultz. I don't believe he got bad at basketball overnight, despite what I, – I mean, we're, we're going to talk about Lonzo in a second. Lonzo Ball, except for one game, has been trash. He's been, yeah, like, he's fine good. defensively, and that's the best thing anyone can say about him. He gets a bunch of rebounds and assists for a crappy team that doesn't win games. He makes his teammates worse based off their numbers. All the lineups with him go straight to hell. Yeah, Marco Fultz isn't a bad player, so that that's where I'm at. The only the only thing we know confirmed about Fultz is eight wins in college and injuries. And I, I like I just said, you shouldn't take too much into how they played it during their time in the NCAA. But it's just he. The thing is that you the, the thing that you can you know look at is were they on the court and he and he wasn't. It, the only thing that we know about Fultz right now, yes, I agree, he's he's got the makings of a great basketball player, but we we just don't know. The only constant with him so far is injury. I'll say this this much just how confident he is as a shooter when he can like, especially off the bounce before the injury, things like that. I don't believe those things are going to go away once he's healthy. And I do think once he comes back from his shoulder injury, I don't, you know, whether or not it's even this year, whether or not they shut him down at points and he comes back in January or something crazy like that by this year, I didn't mean like this season. I meant like this literal, like 2017. Um, I, I do believe like, when he comes back, it's going to be like one year, and then it's going to be like, boom, okay, Markel Fultz is, is – there's a reason why he was picked number one. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think I'm probably going to sign with Mike here. I'm going to go Simmons one just, just because I think the tiebreaker for me, I know you said you aren't concerned with it, but, you know, I, I just want to see that jump shot mm -hmm. flowing correctly in the NBA just because you, you just worry so much when guys have their jump shots tampered with like that. There's no way to lose your confidence quicker when playing basketball than not being able to shoot the ball. And, you know, most importantly, having having your form tampered with. But, I mean, that said, you know, I'd probably go with Fultz, too, mostly because of Embiid's age. All right, let's 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 close it out then. Let's skip over the Bledsoe stuff because we actually went super long on that, which is good. Let, let's close it out with some Lonzo Ball talk. You heard me rant a little bit about Lonzo Ball. Yeah. Uh, when Lonzo Ball plays against the Suns with Earl Watson as their coach, he's great. He scores 29 points, hits four threes, gets 11 rebounds and nine assists. Against everyone else, six points per game, seven rebounds, seven assists, shooting 23% from the field, 22% from three. His per, uh, player efficiency rating on the season is nine. His teammates are markedly worse when he's on the floor. Um, an example is Brooke Lopez, who has a 91 offensive rating, 100 defensive rating when balls on the floor. That's a negative nine net. When he's off, 105 offensive, 59 defensive. That's a 46 net. Larry Nance has a negative 10 net when uh, when ball is on the floor with him. And then when he's off, it's again a positive. And it's the same for Randall. It's the same for literally like almost every single one of his teammates. Uh, Kyle Kuzma was another one. I'm not saying Lonzo Ball is like a – He must be bad if he's making Kuzma bad. I was going to say, I'm not saying Lonzo Ball is like a horrible NBA player and he's going to suck forever. But right now, Lonzo Ball is what he is, and it's garbage. So I, I don't get this fat – I'm, I'm consistently amazed by the coverage that he gets for being such a an underwhelming two highlights a game type player. All right. Well, I, I don't, I don't want to be, you know – that guy that's taking the easy way out with this, you know, take. But when you have that pressure that LeVar is putting on you, you have a bullseye on your back for no reason. It is not warranted to have this bullseye, but it doesn't help at all. And let's look let's look at like a few of the point guards he's played against. Like, to open your NBA career with your dad talking all the smack that he's talking against Patrick Beverly, who is probably a top three on-ball perimeter defender, is – it's tough, man. That's a tough way to start. Everyone's chirping at him. You know, there's all – the kid's feeling the pressure. I know he's got that, you know, like, stoic look. Like, he kind of, you know, shakes it off. I'm used to it, you know. But I, I think that it's a lot more taxing on him than everyone's letting on. I don't have a problem with that. And for the record, I still think Lonzo Ball is going to be a really good player. I'm just extremely – 
amused isn't the right word because it's not like one of those like I just think it's funny that Lonzo Ball actually sucks. I, I get kind of frustrated as like an NBA fan that I know how stars work and I know how LA works and I know how LeVar Ball works, but I want to be able to turn on my TV and see Dennis Smith cramming on someone or I want to see, you know, what the I, I don't know who's the Josh Jackson behind the back to <laughs> to Alex Lynn and people not called it uh, travel. Who's the the yeah Donovan Mitchell? I yeah. want to see Donovan Mitchell doing things and that Guys, that putback dunk was ridiculous. And that one reporter saying who has more potential, Devin Booker or Donovan Mitchell, and just getting a lit up well, by wait, like wait, all of Twitter. <laughs> yeah, Mike, let's get real into that and like just burn down the Journal World offices, but um. No, no, I, uh, I but I want to see like what's going on in the NBA, and I'm getting so sick and tired of ESPN showed highlights of Ball, and it was the one shot he made because he went like one for six, and it was a three, and they showed four different angles of it. Yeah, no, it, it's funny because you know every time you know on the clicker they show like you know two guys you know from each team, and it'll be like you know Brook Lopez twenty eight yeah. points, Lonzo Ball five points, six rebounds, five assists. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Julius Randle's playing well right now. I know his coach, for whatever reason, doesn't love him there. We've talked about a guy like Kyle Kuzma has been surprising. Julius Randle has had a couple nice – or Julius Randle. Brent uh, Ingram has had a couple really nice performances. Clarkson's had a couple nice games too. There's a lot going on in the Lakers, and instead it's like we're going to talk about LeVar Ball for six minutes, which I guess is what we're doing right now too. I mean, we are fair, that's, that's, be, that's because the man literally speaks things into existence. Like, you know, you have, you know, you have Marcin Gortat saying that John Wall is going to, what, what was the exact quote? Like, he was going to be a nightmare. Tor he was going to torture him or something? Torture him. He was going to yeah. torture him. And then you have, you know, LeVar Ball saying, and then you have LeVar Ball, you know, Alonzo's not going to lose twice in a week. And then you have him double down, I don't know if you guys saw this, a sideline, like, interview when he was in the crowd, like, during the game on the Lakers telecast of the Wizards game. Like, you know, Lakers are losing, and he doubles down, and they come back and win. <laughs> well, I mean, for, the, for the record, I, I love uh, LeVar Ball as, like, a salesman. I, I think he's great for, like, branding, but I don't think he's great for the start of his son's NBA career. I See, I'll, I'll disagree. I know we disagree on, like, everything, Mike. Um, but, like, like – Beverly, Beverly put up a – Beverly and LeVar Ball got into it on Twitter, and so Beverly gave him a hard time. I don't think guys care that much, to be quite honest, since then. I mean, you saw John Wall was given Lonzo props after the game. Bledsoe was so concerned about being a cancer to his own team. I don't know. I, I, Brad, I saw Bradley Beal block his shot and stare him down. I've never seen Bradley Beal do that to anybody else. Uh, I think notwithstanding, than they'll ever admit. But you saw, like, Eric Bledsoe clearly didn't give, like, any what anything whatsoever about playing defense against him. He was more focused on his own thing. I think guys are more worried about themselves than – like someone tweeted before the season, no one's going to want to be the first guy Lonzo Ball lights up. I, I don't believe that to be true. I think everyone gives rookies a hard time. No one wants to get shown up by a rookie. But I'm not convinced anyone is like, outside of Patrick Beverly night one, I'm not convinced like Ricky Rubio is coming out like, oh, God, I got to shut Lonzo Ball down. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you make a fair point. Like guys look to light up rookies anyway. Like I know R Russell Westbrook has made a living of just like absolutely, you know, to use Cortot's word, torturing rookies. Like he just goes after rookies. I know a lot of guys like to give them their, their welcome to the NBA moment. So, but I mean, I, I think for, for Lonzo, it's probably a little bit more exaggerated, though. If you guys don't think that Russell Westbrook and Steph Curry, especially Curry after hearing the whole Curry, for sure. <laughs> Curry will line him up for 96 that, points, Mike. I mean, dude, they give a shit about this. They, they don't like to admit that they do, but they do. You, you, know the, you know the vine of the guy, like, dribbling between his legs, like, 25 straight times? Like, that's going to be Steph Curry when Lonzo Ball's guarding him. He's, he's going to be that. Oh, they can't, let, they can't let Lonzo Ball. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> You know, I, I thought Wall would go after him a little bit more. Guys like Beverly and especially Steph Curry are going to care, and they're going to absolutely light him up. And I'll, it, I'll give you – there's probably a list of guys that I would say care. Like Beverly, I, I'm sure Wall cared a little bit, although he didn't play like it at all. Um, I, I'm sure Steph would care. Stay in the night in L.A. L.A.'s undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do think, though, like like Beverly, Steph, maybe a couple other guys. But I think 26 teams, 25 teams have point guards who it'll just be playing against a rookie. They'll want to light him up. They'll hate, they hate the Lakers. They want to play well. And I, far be it for me to think that I, – I think LeVar Ball doesn't 
isn't reaching as far as people think he is. I think the common person is obsessed with LeVar Ball content, and that's why everyone still talks about him. It's why he's so extremely relevant. I mean, Jeff Goodman was taking on a tour of his new house, like, and it's like an ESPN video. Yeah, I think fans care, but I, I don't think NBA players I don't think the majority of them care that much. I could be wrong. I haven't talked to any of them. But, like, it's hard for me to believe a guy like J.J. Redick, for example. I know he's not a point guard, but he's just sitting there thinking, man, that LeVar Ball, I better try my hardest against the Lakers because that guy is talking so much. Why in the, like, why in the world would Marcin Gortat care? Like, I, oh, it's I my, He's outspoken on Twitter, though. I guess. And he, he, he's in the Markeith Morris guy, like the, the, the club of talking way too much when you have no reason whatsoever to. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, there's always going to be the players that don't care about anything like that. There's going to be the players that care more about that. I'm, I'm saying the average player is going to want to, you know, play a little bit more inspired to shut up Alonzo Ball or LeVar Ball. It's not like, a quiet dude. Like, I, I feel <laughs> That's like the dad at, like, the pickup, your, like, your rec league game just going nuts. Like, it's, it's yeah, like, I, I think I put in our group message, or maybe I just texted Scott, one of the two. Like, I do feel – Kind of sorry for for Lonzo Ball. Like when I when I see him out there, like you know, in the Wizards game, like clanking open three pointers like down the stretch. It's like God, like can you just can you just like I, I feel bad for you. Can can you just make a shot, please? Like you're one for nine. Right yeah, now. here's the thing. I, I will say I don't feel bad for Lonzo about Lavar because I think he I think he's been used to it like his whole life. And objectively, I don't have a huge problem with Lavar Ball being like loud. I kind of used to, and then like I kind of realized like. What am I getting mad about Lavar Ball about? He's gonna make his. He's gonna make a shit ton of money. He's gonna have multiple sons. Maybe make the NBA. Like I, I don't care. Lavar Lavar Ball can live his best life. Who am I to tell him not to? I just have a problem with. Like I said, it's just really frustrating for me as someone who loves the NBA. I don't care at all about the Lakers. And we were talking about this in our group chat, Mike. How the Bulls are on what one national TV game that yeah. is an NBA TV, and I'm sure. Free the TNT Bulls. Because of yep. Lonzo and because people are going to, you know, LeVar Ball is being branded as this NBA big thing and the Lonzo and everyone hates Lonzo and stuff. And I simply could not care less about it. The best Suns game I watched this year was right after they fired Earl Watson. They played the Kings and it was an amazing, like, back and forth fun NBA game. And De'Aaron Fox was cool and Devin Booker was cool and you get to see all these young stars. I don't need Lonzo Ball forced down my throat. Let's wait until Lonzo Ball is a good NBA player, and then let's see what Lonzo is. I don't need to see – if I'm Ben Simmons' agent, which I think is still Rich Paul that I've now asked twice, Yeah, I believe so. I'm furious that my guy is having the best season ever, and Lonzo Ball is probably getting equal or even more coverage than him. And people could say, well, that's what people are interested in. I, I think if it was covered differently, people would be a lot more interested in like a, a mega star in the making, like a Ben Simmons. Yeah. You know, speaking of which, I, I, I'm very excited for Joel Embiid uh, to play against Lonzo Ball. That's, that's, oh, another, that's, another, that's, that's another guy who's definitely going to target him. Joel's going to try and murder him. <laughs> All right, real quick, let's get to the fights that have happened before we close this out. Uh, first, allegedly, Bobby Portis punched Nikolai Miritich. No, that um, what One of them has to get traded. <laughs> Mike, did you say no? That happened. Yeah, that happened. That that, that uh, that's not alleged. That's gonna go ahead. That that happened. But right, so uh, yeah, allegedly I mean, happened. Um, <laughs> one of them's gonna definitely get. You need a show lawyer. <laughs> uh, and then there was the fight between Bradley Beal and Draymond Green. A bunch of guys got uh, a bunch of guys got fined. Somehow, Markeith Morris got suspended because if there's a fight in the NBA, Markeith Morris has to get a ball somehow and get suspended for a game. Yeah, and uh, Carrick Felix, which uh, who in the world was that? Get the game as well. Pretty sure he was in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Um, <laughs> Kelly Oubre also got fined. People wanted him suspended. I, I thought he appeared to punch John Wall accidentally in the back of the head, but <laughs> Kelly Oubre was contrite and apologetic. <laughs> Kelly Oubre was contrite, apologetic, and, and someone said, like, Clay Thompson said Kelly Oubre apologized right away and that he was just trying to break up the fight. Yeah, well, St Steve Kerr kind of went after uh, kind of went after Oubre. Yeah, so, I don't know. The whole thing, I was okay with him not getting suspended. That being said, I think it's absolutely hilarious that Markeith Morris got suspended for this fight <laughs> because, of course, Markeith Morris got suspended oh. for this fight. If there's a fight in, like, Bucks raptors they're going to, like, review Morris. <laughs> hey, by the way, I'd just like to point out that both Morris twins were out to start the year, which kind of throws a uh, throws a, a wet blanket on my Mark Morris theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I'll start with the uh, with the Bulls fight, I guess. That was 
Because I remember I was walking back from work. I thought you were kidding because, you know, you always, like, get me with those fake Twitter things that you make. <laughs> so I thought this was another one of, like, those jokes. Then I uh, immediately got on Twitter. Or Twitter. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I immediately got on Twitter, and I uh, saw that uh, American Horror Story Bulls edition was uh, indeed true. <laughs> it was, was, was jaw-dropping. Like, the only time the Bulls are in the news is when the power forwards are punching each other in the face. But you know, <laughs> this is like the best thing that could have happened to Chicago. Because without this, Markkinen's not getting all the playing time that he's getting. And I, I know that as a, I'm kind of Devin, Devin book, uh, Bookering you guys with this group chat, uh, group chat too. Like, no, live your best life, LeVar Ball. What, you're, you're like, uh, what, what's your, Mike, what's your Markkinen name? You're uh, Maury Markkinen. I'm Mikey Markkinen. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, no, but I mean, he Markkinen has been great. He's shooting with a lot of confidence. His stroke is like beautiful. But um, yeah, the Bobby Portis thing really disappointing. Nico is not responding to any texts from anyone on the team, anyone involved with the team. Portis had a press conference where you know he was like, "I'm sorry, like I've, I've tried to reach out to him. I'm going to try to coexist with him." So I mean, despite like breaking his face, he's kind of being like the mature one. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but it's it's true. I, I think Nico is actually. This this might be a bold prediction. I I don't think that after this year Nico will be in the NBA anymore. I, I think that he's actually gonna you know go back to to Europe. I, and there's been reports of that. I can kind of see it a little bit, or at least or at least I could say this will be Nico's last year in a Bulls uniform. They might they might dish him for cheap. Um, maybe try to get Jordan Bell back or something. <laughs> but, uh, Jordan Bell, that would be the all time like you know what'd be funny is like if they got Jordan Bell back and he just like, it wouldn't be funny for Jordan Bell, but it'd be hilarious for us. He just like tore his ACL. Yeah, man, that'd be really funny. <laughs> but, uh, no, but uh, I, the only thing I could say is, you know, I wish that poor Nico, like he couldn't, he clearly couldn't pump fake this, uh, this punch that was coming. So I, I wish that he <laughs> got out of the way and somehow Gar Foreman happened to just be walking right behind him and just walk into the nastiest BP uppercut of all time. That's the only thing. Allegedly. Allegedly, should say that for legal purposes. But yeah, I wish. Uh, we, remember when we used to offer people equal airtime to come on and defend themselves? What oh, if we yeah. just like send the Bulls an email and we're like, they probably you want to put on. They're not on the podcast. <laughs> They'd probably come on. <laughs> oh, what, what, we have a fan. All right, yeah, let's let's try to you know make things right with them. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, jokes aside, but violence to Gar Foreman. I don't want him to experience violence. I just want him to fight. <laughs> but um, it was a messy situation. I'll just touch real quick on, I mean, like with the Beal and Draymond, it's unfortunate for the Wizards because whenever you get a fight like that, one team always loses a little bit more. Obviously, it was a lot more with Beal. Um, I'd say that really kind of sealed their fate and the dubs instantly just, you know, came back. So I, uh, that, that's unfortunate when a good game is kind of, you know, not ruined, but, you know, the, the quality of play taken down a notch when two good players are out. Yeah, I guess first with the with, with the bull stuff, you know, Miritich is already already not not said, but you know, NBC Chicago is already reporting that he like you know we won the wave his no trade clause that he mysteriously has in his contract. How did Nikolai Miritich get a no trade clause, Mike? Yeah, that guy, he fills the seats. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, and NBC Chicago also described the situation as one has got to go, which isn't surprising when one broke the other's face. <laughs> But allegedly, you know, yeah, allegedly, fair enough. I don't think that one's allegedly, and I'm pretty sure half of these don't have to be allegedly. I'm just throwing it in to piss Mike off at this point. <laughs> and then with the you know with the Warriors Wizards stuff, obviously just just a weird situation. Like you know, Bradley Beal kind of started the fight. Draymond, you know, gets kicked out as well as Beal. You know, Beal gets fined fifty thousand dollars, the same that uh, that Steph Curry gets fined for throwing the mouthpiece at the ref. You know, Draymond twenty five. I don't know. I mean, Steve Kerr and all the Warriors guys, Draymond included, had a big problem with with Draymond getting ejected from that game. Did you guys did you guys agree that Draymond should have or shouldn't have been ejected? I'm always in favor of he was ejected. Yeah, and you know why? The real reason he was ejected, right, Mike? No, I don't know the reason. I just because his jersey got torn. They didn't have another one, so they were like, "Oh crap!" Uh, <laughs> get out of here, Draymond. Instigating yeah. the fight. <laughs> I'm super biased, but I, I think that Drew Green probably should have gone there too. Because his time out of control after that. I mean, he'd probably like nail someone else. Well, I, I think they both probably should have been tossed just because they were like holding on to each other for so long. And I think 
I'm going to be consistent with this. You guys remember my take about the Kelly Oubre fight in the playoffs against Olenek, that if you were going to eject Oubre, you should elect eject Olenek for giving him an elbow to the head on a screen. I'll be consistent here. If you're going to eject one guy, I think you eject the, both guys. They're holding on to each other. They're causing this fight to happen. That being said, it would have been kind of cool if they let him stay in the game and just, you know, you'd have to police it. You'd have to tell both guys. You'd have to tell them to crack down, whatever. But it, it would have been cool if every single person, like it was just like, okay, chill, chill, chill. We're going to double text six different guys, play on. Yeah, and I mean, you know, to me, I, I don't really have a preference one way or another there. But uh, the Warriors also, like I said, were very upset about it. Steve Kerr even singled out Ubre, kind of said that he came in recklessly into the pile and that the fines, you know, because Ubre got fined 15000 The The Draymond Ubre fine should have been reversed. So, I mean, obviously, you know, what else is new? The Warriors aren't happy with something going against them. All right. Let's end it here, and and one final like note that we can actually throw on at the end of this, Mike or Evan, you kind of brought it up. Nike jerseys kind of suck. Yeah, they look cool, but they rip like all the time. Maybe, Maybe it's just something with twenty three, LeBron James, Draymond yeah. Green. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Didn't they kill the sleeves though? I haven't seen these sleeve jerseys. They, I hope, man. I hope they kill the sleeves. I despise the. There, I think there's no uglier jersey in the world than the gray bull sleeve. Gray sleeve jerseys suck. The Magic looked terrible. Spurs were okay. Um, Suns grays were hilarious. Celtics were awful. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, I, the, I didn't mind sleeves, though. The, the Suns had a black sleeve jersey that I thought looked pretty dope. The Thunder had a white sleeve jersey that looked kind of like a Haynes undershirt with the OKC logo on the <laughs> – Well, that was a problem. They started making all the sleeves jerseys have, like, the giant logos on the chest. And I was like, what are, what are we doing here, guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm I'm all in favor of the sleeves if it gives us like LeBron ripping one literally off of his jersey once every couple of years. Yeah, just in, or they should have like those. You know, you remember those pants that like zipped like into shorts like back in the day? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like when you walk. Yeah, they should have like an option with like zippers where you can just like if you get too warm, you know. That's amazing, Mike. It's a, you should be in charge. For, for those of you that can't see, because this is a uh, audio <laughs> podcast, Mike was like unzipping around his around his arm where the sleeve is. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's gonna do it for us today. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at triple OTP. Mike is at MJ underscore Makey. I am at Chase and Scott, and Evan is at Evan R Riggs. Shout out to Tricky Diesel who produced the music on today's show. Tricky. I know you're out there somewhere listening to uh, to our every word. We really appreciate it. Uh, this has been Scott Jason signing off. Thanks for listening to Triple OT, and we will see you next Sunday. Unless Evan can't do it that day. Good one, guys. Then Victor Oladipo got fouled on a three-pointer. The next <laughs> possession. And it was not We need wrong. this rigged. <laughs>